You are listening to the Mary Jane Society podcast, where you will meet entrepreneurs, cultivators, scientists, doctors, and inventors in the cannabis industry. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, marketer and publicist in the cannabis industry. Today, our guest is Peter Homburg. He's a partner in Denton's international law firm and based in Berlin. He heads up the European Cannabis Division and offered to join the show and share his insights about Germany's recent step toward cannabis legalization and what it means for businesses in the U.S. looking to enter the European market. Let's welcome Peter. So, yeah, so I just wanted to uh, start with, you know, of course, Germany's exciting news that they have legalized marijuana. And if you could kind of, uh, you know, give us the details of what that exactly means. And do you think that the recent news will cause a domino effect um, across Europe as far as other other countries uh, coming online? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with the legalization project, which uh, the coalition, the current coalition, um, um, actually has planned all the way back when they were elected. Um, the coalition, uh, the current government actually, uh, decided that they would like to legalize cannabis for recreational purposes. Uh, over and above the legalization for medical purposes, which took place in Germany in March 2017. Um, in October 2022, the government came up with the full legalization plan, very much like we saw that in Canada, where the cultivation of cannabis for recreational purposes should have taken place in Germany for the local market here. The distribution for of that cannabis for recreational purposes should have been done through licensed dispensaries um, under government control. That was the original plan. This plan was presented uh, not officially, but uh, there is no approval process uh, in place uh, to the European Commission. Uh, and the Commission actually uh, very clear, made it very clear to the German uh, government that uh, they will not tolerate that uh, because of the UN Conventions 1961 uh, in particular, uh, but also because uh, the Schengen Agreement, which is the basis for the European Union, also prohibits the use of any kind of uh, drugs, any kind of narcotics for recreational purposes, which includes cannabis. Uh, and the German government then had to find a way in uh, to legalize cannabis, uh, not as we have seen that in Canada and other countries outside of Europe, uh, and decided to implement a two-step plan. The first step, and that is the, the step which has been uh, implemented in the cannabis law, in the CAN-G, uh, can as we call it right now, okay. uh, has passed last Friday's second and third reading. It's not yet in place, so it's still a draft law, but it has passed the parliament. Uh, allows home grow uh, to, for adults from, from up to three female plants, uh, which uh, uh, for their own consumption can be cultivated at home. Uh, and the second part of that first pillar, which uh, the government calls it, is the establishment of 
cultivation associations, uh, which are allowing or which allows the, the members up to 500 members per for each uh, uh, cannabis cultivation association to cultivate cannabis for their own purposes. So as you would say, it's a it's group cultivation instead of a home grow. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah. So these, these are the, the two two pillars here uh, of that, or the two sections of the first pillar. Uh, what is important also to notice is that cannabis and THC-rated products will be taken out of the German Narcotics Act, uh, which has, from our point of view, from my point of view, a positive impact on the medical cannabis market rather than on the recreational market. Uh, also, the fines and the respective charges are reduced for possession of cannabis. And uh, along, alongside, uh, we have the possibility uh, that uh, uh, an adult can carry 25 grams of uh, cannabis flowers um, in public. Uh, and he can actually also store 50 grams at home, uh, So, which is, which is a significant amount in comparison to what is currently legal in Germany. Um, and as such, I think it's a, a step forward. It's a step forward in the legalization process. Mm -hmm. Coming back to your second question, whether this has kind of a pulling effect on other European countries, I'm going to tell you, uh, I, I'm not that optimistic on that, to say at least. Okay. Uh, if we look into the medical cannabis market, which now is nearly seven years old, uh, uh, the pulling effect uh, of the legalization in Germany of medical cannabis has been, I would say, uh, very remote. Uh, uh, there are, of course, uh, EU member states which have had a look into that. Some have, to a certain extent, uh, allowed and legalized cannabis for medical purposes, but not to the full extent as we have it currently in Germany. Um, other countries are thinking about it for medical purposes rather than for uh, uh, recreational purposes. However, there are countries uh, like the Czech Republic, for example, who are very positively looking into that, like Malta. Well, Malta is a relatively small member state, uh, but others are strictly against. So if you look into uh, France, for example, they had this very limited medical cannabis project uh, and I do not believe, for what we have heard so far, that they are very much in favor of legalizing cannabis for recreational purposes. They are more or less still following the prohibition way. Uh, so I'm not that optimistic that it will have an immediate positive effect on that. However, besides the first pillar, there's a second pillar, which we can discuss in a minute, and a third pillar, which is very important to mention, because it's not really... Uh, published yet, uh, but you can see that the German government taking into account the experience from the legalization of the first pillar and of course of the second pillar would like to lobby at the European Commission the legalization of cannabis throughout the European Union, at least allowing countries to go a similar way as Canada has done that before, instead of doing this home grow and cultivation association model. Right. So, so, so I'm sorry to make, to be clear, um, other countries are asking the EU to loosen up on, on their restrictions, uh, and allowing them to not have, uh, repercussions if they go the route of Canada. So basically opening up their rules is what you would all have to do. To, is that right? 
Indeed, Pam, uh, Germany was the first one who has actually brought that forward to the European Commission and, and failed. Uh, oh, okay. There are other supporters of that of that uh, policy uh, to legalize cannabis recreational purposes within the European Union. Uh, we have not yet kind of a formed coalition of EU member states uh, approaching the European Commission. The German government uh, is taking a path that we are going to look what are the results of the uh, legalization. Do we really achieve what the arguments, what the uh, targets of that legalization are? Do we really achieve that the black market is going to be reduced significantly? Do we really achieve that the protection of the use can be intensified? And do we really achieve that the consumers are getting a better product uh, than what is available on the illicit market? So that is actually uh, the, the goal of the German government. Let's see what are the results and then approach the European Commission together with under, other member states who want to legalize cannabis uh, within the European Union. A long winding process, I would say. So we can't expect that within the next two to three years, but in a time to come, I would say. Right, and right, it definitely doesn't sound like a, a, a quick process for sure. Um, so <clears throat> are you also saying that the uh, the medical program, do you agree that the that countries should start with the medical program? We've done that in the United States. All the states, you know, kind of tiptoed into it with the medical program, um, which it does seem like a good idea because it proves uh, medical efficacy. You know, uh, they have to take those steps to prove to the public. But then it kind of gets lost and hangs in there for a long time. I kind of think like that's what you're saying about Germany is it's been seven years and there hasn't been anything that's that it's it's really integrating into the German, you know, the wide, wide population of the German community. What has not been really published is that the German beef farm, which is comparable to the FDA, which is our federal institute for, for medicine products, actually conducted kind of a survey, or if you would like to say even kind of an observational study, because the physicians who prescribed cannabis for medical purposes had to report to the beef farm about uh, the uh, the patient itself, how old, of course, what kind of uh, uh, what kind of indication uh, the prescription was for, uh, and also uh, what kind of product and the result of that. Unfortunately, not many physicians participated uh, on, on that. Uh, the, the data which was uh, generated was, uh, I would say, relatively surprisingly low. Uh, but the data which we could draw from this uh, survey, from that kind of study, uh, was that it has indeed in most cases in more than 75 percent of the cases positive effects to the patient uh, and i think that's something uh, which is which is uh, uh, encouraging um, the indications if you look at the, the majority of all prescriptions went to uh, chronic pain and pain uh, and uh, the results were uh, extremely good if you compare that to other uh, in the uh, other um, clinical studies, at least. Uh, of course, with some uh, other pharmaceuticals where you perform clinical studies, that is, of course, uh, uh, even more uh, decisive for the possibility of prescription. Uh, we don't have that for cannabis. And we all know each and every patient is reacting differently to a different cannabis products. It's a 
very unique. It's a very a personalized uh, medicine approach. Um, and that's something which uh, we have to take into consideration in comparison to, let's say, the other painkillers. Uh, but that is really encouraging. I, I fully agree with you, Pam. Uh, the results of seven years of medical cannabis in Germany, despite the fact that we do not have, haven't reached the real number of patients, which we actually uh, could have reached for various purposes, uh, for various reasons, uh, is very encouraging. And um, is it in the United States, we haven't been able to uh, conduct uh, clinical trials uh, because it, it it has been federally illegal and it's kind of opening up a little bit. So we don't have that kind of data or medical you know, verification. Is that the same in Germany where it's hard to, for, uh, for people to get grants and research uh, the plant because they can't get their hands on it and they're not allowed to? Or is, is there research going forward in, in Germany? Research is uh, allowed. You can, of course, apply for research with any kind of narcotic anyway, but also for cannabis. Uh, but uh, what you should know is that uh, cannabis here in Germany is not a ready-made pharmaceutical. It's not a finished product. It is actually defined as an extemporaneous mixture. Uh, why has that been done? What does that mean? Extemporaneous mixture means that the pharmacist is the one who is actually preparing the product, the pharmaceutical, the cannabis product, according to the prescription the patient is handing over to him. So he's doing uh, the quality control, the grinding, and whatever is necessary, packaging, uh, weighting, uh, to, to, to prove that the uh, patient is getting the right weight uh, of, of uh, the product. Uh, that is something uh, which we, uh, is necessary for an extemporaneous mixture. It's not getting to the uh, cup of and uh, taking, taking a pill out uh, uh, for other finished products. It's, it's really an additional process at the pharmacy. Uh, with that, you do not have the necessity uh, and the obligation to do a clinical study and uh, uh, do a marketing authorization. Uh, it's not necessary for uh, also not to, to go through the respective price finding process which we have in Germany for finished products, for finished pharmaceuticals, for new finished pharmaceuticals. So which was a kind of a big advantage in 2017 when the product came to the market for medical purposes that immediately patients could buy it upon prescription in the pharmacies uh, at uh, uh, using actually what their, their physician has prescribed to them. Um, and had, did they didn't have to wait for a long uh, cl clinical trial uh, marketing authorization process to be finished. Uh, so that was all altogether a big advantage for the patients. And that was also the intention of the government at that point in time, bringing the product as quickly to the market as possible after the legalization in March 2017. Okay. And uh, in what, what forms are allowed in the medical market? Is it flour and tincture only? Is that? It's flour and extracts. Correct. Yes, that is allowed. Uh, we do not have any kind of ready-made uh, pharmaceuticals. Maybe there's one example, of course, Sativex, and there are other examples as well, uh, which have gone through clinical trials before. Uh, but altogether, it is rather flowers and, and extracts. Flowers and extracts. Okay. Um, okay. So um, <clears throat> I know everybody in the world is excited, you know, and wants to jump the gun and get, get in there and, you know, start bringing the brands in and things like that. So 
<clears throat> I know it, it is, you know, the process is a, a way off, but just looking at a couple of the companies, uh, the big companies that have kind of been making inroads in Europe, I'm just bringing to mind Tilray and Curaleaf uh, are big companies that have built cross-border uh, infrastructures. Um, is that the strategy if somebody is thinking now um, that they want to start making their moves into Europe? Like what the need, what's the need in the market? I, I would imagine uh, tinctures, extraction and, and grow because I, I believe I've read that Germany doesn't have a very big cultivation uh, infrastructure set up. Let's, let's talk about the cultivation infrastructure which we have in Germany. Okay. Uh, back in 2019, actually, um, um, the three uh, companies who participated in a tender of the German FDA of the beer farm received respective licenses to cultivate cannabis for medical purposes here in Germany. Uh, it is uh, Demikan, it's Afria, and it's Aurora. The three companies received the respective licenses, altogether 13 licenses uh, for a very limited quantity. It's only 10.4 metric tons for four years. So it's 2.6 tons plus uh, plus 10% uh, threshold. Uh, and uh, that is relatively uh, low in comparison to the need of the medical cannabis market in Germany, which is in the region of 22 metric tons or even higher uh, per year. So uh, we will probably see a change, a shift uh, in uh, the uh, cultivation possibilities in the future for medical cannabis as well. Um, um, so it could change from a tender process, which is extremely bothersome to say at least. I know that because we have represented one client in the one of, in this tender. And it was uh, the, the preconditions to be fulfilled in order to receive a license were significant, yeah. um, despite the price, uh, which has uh, to be extremely low. Uh, it, it, there may, might be a change from uh, this tender process uh, to a kind of a licensing process for cultivation of medical cannabis, very much uh, like we see that in some other European countries, rather than having a new tender after the uh, four years will be ending. Um, so there may be possibilities uh, for these educated, for these uh, uh, excellent growers uh, from Canada to even apply for a license to cultivate cannabis for medical purposes here, not for uh, recreational. Recreational is currently out uh, in the first pillar. Um, and we haven't talked about the second pillar. The second pillar is uh, maybe interesting for them as well. And that's maybe also the reason why they're building up kind of an infrastructure here. And it's definitely worthwhile to do that, uh, which will be uh, the establishment of uh, uh, scientifically controlled pilot projects, very much like we saw that in Switzerland, uh, where in certain regions, you will have a dispensary, licensed dispensaries who are going to sell cannabis products uh, to uh, consumers, uh, and um, uh, of course, scientifically controlled, it means they would like to gain data. What kind of impact does it have uh, on, on the consumer? Uh, what kind of habits does the consumer have? What kind of impact does it have on society? What kind of impact on traffic accidents? And all these 
data which you can gain uh, from uh, these projects. We do not know at this point in time how this will be rolled out in Germany. We do not know who is going to participate in that, uh, how will the respective participants be selected, how is the licensing process for the respective uh, dispensaries are uh, looking like. So this is a part of a new draft law which was expected to be uh, published before Christmas last year, uh, which didn't happen. So this will be the second pillar which the German government has in mind, which they would like to implement in order to gain additional data, which then can be used for the third pillar to argue uh, before the European Commission for the legalization of recreational cannabis. Uh, makes sense. Oh, so the third pillar is the uh, is the coalition uh, country's coalition to approach the EU. That's the third pillar. Once they get all this data, that's that's what they say. They would, and I call it third pillar. It's not really a th the third pillar. I call it because that's important uh, from my okay. point of view. It is yeah. the approach to the European Commission with all the data which have gained in the legalization process here in Germany, uh, and uh, to really lobby. The, the respective legalization of cannabis. And is that forming already? Germany's leading that that in, that uh, coalition? And, and, and is it already forming? Not that I know of. What, okay. what happened, we have seen statements, in particular from the Czech Republic, for example, that they very much uh, understand the approach of Germany and that they would even follow Germany immediately if we would have legalized cannabis as outlined in October 2022, uh, but that didn't happen. So we will see, uh, I believe that there will be kind of a coalition forming process going on uh, with various countries who would like, with very EU member states who would like to legalize cannabis for recreational purposes. But I think that's in the future. So it, it's not yet happening, but uh, I think uh, we, are on the good, we are on the good track here. Yeah. Okay. Great. And um, so you had mentioned earlier um, other companies that might want to um, enter the market, similar to Tilray or maybe you know, and Cureleaf and the others, maybe not so big, but the process you said is uh, very uh, the the bar is high for people to get in. Are they going to give the German people enough uh, room to supply the country? It, it feels like they're looking to the outside. Am, am I right there? Uh, I do not have my crystal ball with me, which I usually <laughs> carry if, I, if you ask me such a question. Oh, uh, sorry. I know everybody wants to know. Somebody yeah, gives yeah, no, uh, let me Let me look at it. Uh, so what is not going to happen? I think that's clear. The garden center around the corner, having a greenhouse, will probably not be allowed to uh, cultivate medical cannabis for the German market because uh, you need to have not only certain knowledge, you have to have security. You have to actually follow EU GMP rules in order to really uh, be compliant uh, and provide the, the cannabis at the quality of a medical product to the, to the German uh, pharmacies and the patients. I think that is clear. So there will be, there will be significant higher requirements than for the cultivation associations for recreational cannabis. We will have quality uh, control also there, but not to the extent as for a medical product. So uh, those those companies uh, who may consider to jump on that 
licensing pro process or this licensing uh, uh, for uh, the cultivation of medical cannabis should know what they are doing. Uh, and I think we have, of course, a great number of players here. The three companies which are already cultivating in Germany are, of course, in a pole position. They know how it how it how it should be done. They have fulfilled all the very tight requirements of the bee farm for, for the in their tender process. They can probably scale up uh, to a certain extent and offer uh, their their products to the German medical market as well. Uh, we are still uh, very much depending on the import uh, of medical cannabis. Uh, however, uh, the German government is uh, seeing that it might be also interesting for the German industry, for the German cannabis, in uh, cannabis industry to enter that market. And they may provide, and I would say they will provide, uh, provide uh, this kind of framework, uh, legal framework that they can actually participate more than before in that supply of medical cannabis in Germany. And also, as I know it's a little ways away, but as the other countries come online and being one union, European Union, your cross-border e-commerce is going to happen, uh, it seems, much quicker than here. And I wonder how that affects people's strategies as far as like or it seems like that's that's the 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 strategy that the Tilrays and the Cura Leafs are taking is they have a factory you know in Portugal and they have you know in Italy and you know they're so they're already setting that up for the the you know the e-commerce or the trade between yeah which is which is happening already today you know well, we have a number of EU member states. Uh, who are exporting cannabis uh, for medical purposes into Germany, uh, and uh, like Denmark, for example, or uh, even even Portugal. So this is already happening. Uh, the precondition is that uh, the uh, cultivation of medical cannabis in those countries is allowed, which is not uniformly uh, uh, done at this point in time. Uh, so Greece is coming up as well with some kind of interesting cultivators. Uh, as I said, Denmark, uh, and and this is already to a certain extent happening. Well, that's the reason why also uh, Tilray is present uh, in in southern Europe. You know. Kind of uh, partnerships or help uh, could you see? Uh, you know, outsiders coming in to help uh, the German infrastructure. How do how do you see it coming together, or or how could we help? Like, oh, let's the point. Yeah, people in the sure. United. States. I'm, I'm obviously thinking yeah, about for the United States. I think it's, it's necessary to really get kind of a federal law, at least regarding medical cannabis, in order to uh, be one of the uh, players in on that market, not only internally in the US, but also externally, which is currently not happening, let's say, except for equipment and, and uh, consulting, yeah. whatever. But uh, products is still a no go. Uh, and uh, even Germany, as an ex-importer of, of cannabis, medical cannabis products, would not allow any kind of export from the U.S. Uh, unless you are fulfilling the respective requirements of the 1961 Single Convention and the two other conventions, uh, 77 and 87, uh, in order to, to be a player in that market. Uh, and uh, states are not allowed to do that, so you need a federal law. 
Yeah, I guess I was also thinking not an export yet, but thinking about their intellectual property uh, here in the United States to protect it on an, an international level. Going uh, to happen right now is that uh, a number of companies are looking into the recreational field right now. And I've today I've received a, a number of inquiries. Uh, can we export our edibles uh, to Germany oh, for okay. purposes? And the answer is very clear. No. <laughs> it's very clear. No. I bet you're getting a lot of calls now. Oh my gosh. And, and, like... and, uh, it, it, it is a very limited legalization. Uh, and we have to be clear on that. It's very limited. Uh, following, of course, the, the UN conventions and the Schengen Agreement. So it's home grow currently and these cultivation associations. The second pillar, as I said, uh, may be more interesting for the industry to, to participate here uh, because it's already, I would say, the first step into a legalization as we have seen that in Canada. Uh, but it's also not full legalization of recreational. So... Uh, all those companies who, who have wonderful products, uh, uh, in particular THC-rated products, uh, vaporizers, or whatever, you know, edibles, uh, uh, will not be able to enter the market at this point in time. We have to see how the legalization will go forward. Uh, and, uh, even with regard to CBD products, you know, uh, this is so restrictive uh, in, in Europe, even more restrictive than in the States. Uh, and uh, as such, uh, we will see how this legalization process for recreational will influence even the policy of the European Commission on CBD products. You know, we, we, we have this issue that uh, CBD uh, products, uh, in particular food supplements, are classified in Europe under the European uh, Directive for Novel Food. Which means if every supplement, every food supplement which has CBD as an ingredient has to be properly registered with the European uh, Commission and its uh, the respective directorate. Uh, and this has been, uh, for those who wanted to do that, very difficult. They have a, a number of companies have applied, but unfortunately, the European Commission has stopped that process by saying we need more uh, safety data before we're going to register your product to be marketed on the European uh, market, uh, which is a, a nightmare for those who uh, want to go come to the market. That is easier in other countries, much easier than in, in, in other countries. So as such, uh, it's still very restrictive and even the legalization is very restrictive. So uh, for, for commercial uh, uh, approach, you know, this uh, legalization of, of last Friday uh, is, is not be very attractive but we will see how the next developments will be right right okay yeah no i know we're all excited but it seems very promising and even more promising on what your predicted third pillar would be i think all that seems like a really good movement forward it's just too early obviously to talk about any sort of licensing deals or intellectual property or um, well, uh, if you uh, what what we will see here, uh, I think we haven't talked about that yet, but it's I think important to understand for for your listeners is uh, that uh, the implementation of the law uh, is relatively complicated. Not with home growth, that's an easy one, uh, but with regard to the 
cultivation associations, it will need uh, certain state laws, uh, rules and regulations, which will be set up by the federal states in Germany, how, where, how to apply, how to get licensed, what are the preconditions for setting up such a, a cannabis as a club, as we call it, cannabis clubs. It's not really a club, it's uh, actually a cultivation association, but nevertheless, it's, let's call it for the time being cannabis. What are the preconditions? Uh, who can run it? Uh, what we know from the law, for example, that you cannot outsource any kind of uh, growing. It has to be done by the 500, up to 500 members. So they have to really cultivate that together in a group, uh, get help from the so-called mini jobbers, where, where some people can assist them, but they cannot even touch the plant. This is only possible for the members. So we should not get overexcited about that legalization process. It's the first small but important step for the legalization of cannabis in Germany. Wow. Okay. I was trying to understand what that what that meant, the cultivation club. So they could is it similar to what they do in Spain? Is 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 that it's okay, so it's totally different. Okay. okay. It's, it's it's really different. Yeah. Uh okay. to the extent uh you know it's it's a group of people who are allowed to cultivate cannabis for their own consumption. So they have stop. to be on a property, they have to be have land. Yes. And they all get out there. Okay. <laughs> I think that's if you if you're going to interpret the the, the kanji the cannabis uh, act uh, indeed that is what they intended, uh, which is uh, a, a wonderful idea I would say. But is it practical? You know, uh, you know if you look into Berlin for example, you know where could you actually set up? a cannabis club away from schools, sports arenas, and kindergartens. You know, do we have space where you could cultivate? Probably not in Mitte, <laughs> probably not in the uh, uh, in the quarters or in the in the areas around uh, the, uh, the city center, but outside possible. Uh, but that's still, still an issue here. Uh, you know, the practical implications of that law, how to really, what, what how can a club apply? To which authority and how should they decide uh, on security measurements, quality measurements, etc., uh, is still an open question and needs to be uh, formulated by the respective federal states in Germany, which is really a big task, to say at least. Mm, wow, that is amazing. Okay, and that's that's going to start forming, I guess, if people think that's a good idea, they now have permission to do that. To, to yeah. form. Okay. And then I guess the last question is if if there was a company or a group of people in the United States that you would be interested in hearing from, you know, that to work with, you know, with Denton's, you know, with the law firm, is there is there something, some, you know, like a group that you think there would be opportunities and that you feel like you could you could help shepherd them through? Yeah, we have we have of course a very strong cannabis practice in the U.S. and in Canada. Uh, I'm heading the European cannabis practice group here in in Germany from Germany, uh, and we are in close uh, uh, connection, close communication about any kind of business opportunities for companies from the U.S. and Canada to come over to Europe. 
Uh, you know, Germany is now the hub, I would say, with the legalization process going forward. Uh, and they are, of course, for those companies who are providing equipment, uh, who are providing any kind of uh, support materials for home grow and uh, for the cultivation in the uh, cultivation associations is is a real market you know fertilizer companies seed companies if seed is not it's difficult because seeds are only allowed to be imported into germany from other european countries or the idea actually even is that the cannabis uh, cultivation associations are providing the seeds for home grow which as we know there's a different time difference uh, if everything goes through April 1st will be uh, the start of the home grow and July 1st will be the start of the cannabis association. So somewhere in between the home grower needs to get their seeds from. Uh, and that's, <laughs> that's, that's only allowed if you really get your seeds from a certified cultivator within the European Union. That's what the law says. But all other equipment, you know, which uh, a cultivation association needs, uh, starting from lightning to fertilizers and whatever is necessary, uh, that is some, that is a, a market which uh, is interesting and will become interesting because I can imagine that we have a great number of different cultivation associations who are popping up in each and every city, in each and every community. Uh, uh, and uh, we'll see how that works. Yeah, and you know, I that's such a great point. Like, you know, these are companies who could start making, you know, the manufacturing and equipment people can start making their way over there. And I'll tell you, because it is a new industry and there are different needs in the supply chain and the machine and the, you know, the packing. There, there's a lot of people developing and making new machinery here and it's happening all the time in, yeah. in, in the cultivation and in the supply chain uh process uh you know from pre-roll machines to you know co-packing machines that specialize in all these new needs that the cannabis industry has it's it's really like an industrial revolution that's happening to a certain extent yes should not become overexcited but that's indeed true i have <laughs> I, I, I have been at the MJBIS conference in Las Vegas in December. So, and I had a look at uh, who could actually, if, if the legalization would come at that point in time, I was considering it could come, uh, who could actually participate in the German market. There were so many companies who had significant and very interesting uh, equipment uh, for cultivation uh, and and. Uh, as you said, packaging, whatever is necessary, track and trace, not to forget. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So we, we have, we have this is a great uh, number, uh, laboratory equipment, for example, because, you know, there is uh, one of these wonderful German ideas, uh, sorry to say that, but, you know, uh, members in the age of 18 to 21, uh, members of a cultivation association, should only get first a limited quantity per month, but then, of course, only uh, flowers with a maximum THC content of 10%. So how do you find that out? You need testing. You need to... Oh, really test yeah, the la our lab test. And we're going through all those problems right now. Yeah. You know? I mean, we're, we're going through all those. The others, all those areas are being worked on. So, okay, well, that seems promising for us. It is. It is definitely yes. And, okay. Uh, right. And we are going to invite all those companies who have this spe specific knowledge and specific equipment 
uh, to Germany because this will be a booming market for them at this point in time. Right. Rather for them than for the importers or for the cultivators, you know, that is uh, for them at this point in time, not that interesting. Mm -hmm. But, you know, everybody who is doing the support, who can provide equipment, who can provide knowledge, can, uh, can consult, uh, uh, any kind of support, knowledge support, uh, even, for example, maybe a licensing agreement of a specific cultivar could be interesting. We'll see how this could yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's definitely happening here. Our patents on the different cultivars and things like that. I think hear that. So. Wow, Peter, thank you so much for your time. I really Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.